0: So, Justine, when did you get electricity back?
1: I got mine back on Tuesday evening. And I spent all of my Tuesday away from my home because I had no power and no internet.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So the internet part part is the part that's really messed up. Like, you know, I I learned that I can probably do without electricity for a minute. But man, Mm -hmm. I I need my Wi-Fi. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I need, yes i need my interwebs i gotta have it yes. i gotta have it <laughs> oh my goodness
1: when did you guys get yours back
0: we got ours back uh yesterday so so we were basically what um two days two days yeah yep oh so goodness. yeah 48 or maybe 50 hours or so without? with without electricity yeah
1: Okay, so you know what? I was wondering cuz I'm like, you know, I live alone and I have a little cat. So, my life is very simple, I think. So, like what do you eat as a family like when you don't have any power?
0: Oh, for us? Yeah. Drive-thru. Yes. <laughs> we had well, yes. <laughs> We had, we had drive-thru, man, for real. No, we we did um a couple of drive-thru meals and then we did uh we tried to eat the healthier options.
1: Oh, oh okay. So
0: yeah. That's so like we had we have Panda Express.
1: Oh wow, yeah. Yeah.
0: So we had Panda, one of those that's nights. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, and then and then one of the nights we just went to the grocery store and just grilled out.
1: Oh, that's such a good idea, yeah.
0: And we just grilled up some burgers and brats and okay. like, you know, picnic style. Yeah, but breakfast is harder because mm-hmm. you know the boys wake up and they want cereal. And no,
1: and there's no milk.
0: Yeah. So w- you know, we lost everything in the fridge and all that. So yeah. Yeah. The food, the food part was okay. So what were you doing when the storm hit? Like, were you at work? Were you at home? Like what was happening?
1: Abdul, I was, cause you've been to my place before. Like I was literally on my dining little Island and I was working. I was like, responding to emails. <laughs> then I look outside my window and I'm like, it is so awfully dark. Like yeah. this is not normal. Then my cat started making like some really weird sounds because I think <laughs> he knew what was going on then out of the nowhere. Like, yes. And okay. So Abdul, I'm going to be very honest because from my window, I can see my car. Uh-huh. And I was like, I think my car is going to get blown. It's <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's going to get blown away. I can finally buy a Jeep. This is the perfect opportunity. I'm going to be able to buy a Jeep, but no, my car was not blown away.
0: <laughs> wow on my street i think it was blowing mostly west to east because okay. we had we now again it, it was like hurricane force wind so who knows what direction yes. it could be going all the directions <laughs> but so the front of the house it did it blew a tree across the street it blew a tree down so mm-hmm. and yeah. so the the wind was blowing toward our front our front picture window so it was blowing toward the east
1: Yikes
0: and that that window is a G it didn't blow up. It just it stayed there. It was, it was good to go. Hey, yeah. Okay. So, but then my son's car got barely missed. I have a video of it, um, but a tree blew down and fell down on a, on the car in front of his car. Oh. We had one small tree that mm-hmm. split a little bit, mm-hmm. but we didn't have any other damage okay. other than power. We we're actually pretty blessed. So we, we got off so yeah, we we have people that still don't have power.
2: Wow.
0: There's a there's an expression. Mm-hmm. If you don't like the weather in Iowa, give it five minutes, it'll change. Oh. So so well now we can add hurricane to that. Can, yes. Cause it was like a hundred mile an hour winds.
1: Yeah. Oh so my goodness. there we go. What a time. What a time. Yeah. 2020. Mm.
0: Yeah. Yep. I'm throwing the biggest fattest New Year's party because I cannot wait for 2020 to go away. Oh like 2020, gosh. like if if I promise to miss you, will you please go away? 2020, I can't take. I'm done with you right now. Yes, yes. So yeah, I can't and Abdul, wait.
1: Abdul, we have we have elections in November. Fingers crossed, they still happen.
0: Oh, don't get me started. Uh, oh, oh my boy. gosh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh.
0: Yeah. That's an episode in itself. I I'm I'm a little worried about that. So yeah, we'll come back around to that one. Yes. We're we're not gonna let this one get away. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we will be talking about that. <laughs> Greetings and what's good everybody. Welcome to the Christian Soldier Podcast, a social justice faith-minded podcast, featuring three friends from across the diaspora, exploring life at the intersection of race, ethnicity, gender, culture, politics, and basically living while Black. I'm Abdullah Muhammad.
1: I'm Justina Kingy,
0: And we are just three POC in the cornfield, living life, loving Jesus, and fighting the good fight in these rough and tumble podcast streets. Okay, so everyone... For this episode, we are actually just two POC in the cornfield, in, in the post-storm, in the post-Derecho cornfield. Mm-hmm. Our resident Puerto Rican, brother Andres Amador, <laughs> is with his family as we record this episode because we're just a couple of days after the, the Derecho windstorms that, that went through the Midwest and just wrecked shop all over the place. So... Um, He's still with his family because they don't have electricity right now. And so mm-hmm. hopefully they should be getting it back here in um, the next day or so. And, you know, we wish his family well and um, we'll go check on them after we're done recording this episode. But a lot of people in our city, in the Midwest or whatever, didn't have electricity. We didn't have it for a little over 48 hours. And wow. yeah, so we wish him well. So Brother Andres, we miss you, man. Look forward to we having you back you. on the mic soon.
1: I know, Andres. We miss you. Yeah, we'll be fine without him, Abdul. Like,
0: I'm kidding. Yeah, we got They're it. Not. We don't <laughs> we got need it. him. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll we uh, will muddle through without the 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 third leg to our stool. So we will. Um, so here's the thing, Jay. All right, so like, what's the next track on the Christian Soldier mixtape?
1: Y'all. Today's track is called "I'm Real" and it's inspired by J Lo and J ja So, y'all, I am a millennial, okay, and I grew up loving. This is so funny. Ashanti, J Lo, you know Chris Brown, Rihanna, J ja rule. Ja rule, There we go. Ain't nothing but the rule, baby. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so y'all, JLo and Jerule have this song, and it's called I'm Real, right? And part of the chorus says, the way you walk, the way you move, the way you talk. I'm real, right? And hey, so I'm this the, essentially I'm implies, hey, yes. And <laughs> you guys, the video is just, it's dope. I love Jennifer Lopez. Like, she is, she's awesome. Um, so anyway, like, essentially, this song is trying to get at the fact that um, we can tell if someone is real. Based not just on their actions but also their words, right? And so we're going to be talking about allyship today, and how allyship mm. is not just about what you say or what you profess, but your actions, right? Your consistency and your commitment to um, to doing the daily work, the daily work of reevaluating and relearning and unlearning. So that's the track for today's episode.
0: Ooh, I like it. I like it, man. So. Yes. <laughs> so, so, what you're saying is, you can tell um, what and who an ally is by what they do and how they move. Is that what you're saying?
1: Basically, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, like, allyship is, is not just about, you know, and we're going to get more into this later, but I don't think people get to decide that they are an ally. Right. So, if yes. I am, for example, like if I was male, which I'm not, but just for example, If I was a male person, I don't get to decide, oh, you know, I'm an ally for women, you know. Um, Women get to look at my actions and my life and what I do and what I profess, then they get to call me an ally, right? So again, like it has to be something very tangible and it has to be something that's consistent, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah no that's i I could not agree more for and for the exact same rationale that you listed and and i mm-hmm. I mean I remember just kind of having these conversations mm-hmm. in like when I was an undergrad right and so mm. and the issue the issue of allyship the first time that I encountered it personally, the yeah. first time I encountered the idea of allyship wasn't mm-hmm. attached to race it wow. was attached to um to LGBTQ and gender identity. So Same. so mm-hmm. like what yeah so like years years ago when I was in undergrad you know we had there was the LGBT at the time it was before mm-hmm. the QIA plus mm-hmm. was added it was just the LGBT mm-hmm. um alliance and so yes. you know we were talking on campus just about yeah what like what is an ally and and who gets to call themselves mm-hmm. an ally and I remember getting you know getting getting checked because I thought, you know, that, so I kind of referred to myself as an ally and someone's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. you might be, but that's not for you to say. Mm -hmm. So, so I was like, okay, I had, so I had to fall back from that a little bit. So that was good. Mm -hmm. Um, And then hearing it again in, in kind of feminist circles is exactly what you said, you know, so I wouldn't call myself like a a feminist ally or something like that because it's not for me to say. So I completely agree with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Abdul, like I'm kind of in the same boat as well. I was I was kind of reflecting as we were preparing for this episode, and I was like, wow, the first time that I ever heard um the word ally is I think maybe 2014-ish, 2015.
2: Mm-hmm. Same
1: thing. I was taking a human sexuality class as an undergrad, and um the A in the LGBTQIA plus was defined for me as an ally mm-hmm. or was defined as the word ally.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: Man, you know, I don't know, like, kind of like my memory, like based on how my professor talked about it, like, it was just like a very quick, like, oh, ally, and let's move on. Like, she never really got into the meat of what that word meant. So, I like, I never even dwelled on it, you know? Yeah. And, and if I'm being honest, like, looking back, like, I never even considered that I could be an ally in that sense, mm-hmm. you know, up until maybe two years ago, right? when the whole, like when the conversations of race and racial justice and racial awareness were really booming. Um, so 2018, 2019, and now of course 2020. And I feel like everyone is talking about allyship. Everyone is talking about anti-racism and that was actually kind of like the inspiration, um, for, you know, like for, like for today's podcast, because I feel like having these conversations, like this is like at the front lines, um, you know, um, of anti-racism, then I think we're also recognizing that we do need allies, right? We need white people, um, in order to disrupt racism, or do we need white people? I right. mean, you know, I don't know, again, you know, like, I guess like that's up for debate, yeah. but I think we're recognizing now more than ever that our brothers and sisters of Europe, uh, that are American, Americans of European descent, um, and just how huge their role is in disrupting racism.
0: Yeah, no, that's really good. Um yeah. so so I wanna add something real quick, okay? And so mm-hmm. I think um, and this might be not really a clarification for our listeners because mm-hmm. uh I know that we probably have some listeners that would identify as LGBTQIA plus, right? Yeah. So I wanna um mention something about like you said the 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 a stands for ally,
1: yeah,
0: now, so that originally mm-hmm. that's what I've learned too, yes, now, so what I recently learned though, like recently in the last few years or so, mm-hmm. is that the 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 a mm-hmm. actually stands for asexual
2: oh, yeah,
0: so yeah it's it's lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. Intersexual queer. a queer, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. intersexual, asexual plus right, meaning the other identities, yeah, so um, you know i would i 'm not really qualified to to break all that down, so i 'm mm-hmm. um, not a member of that community, so I would love that you know, we need to have somebody on to 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 break that down for us, um, but what what asexual means, from my understanding, is it 's somebody who desires um, who identifies as desiring companionship and relationship, mm-hmm. but not sexually mm. okay mm. so yeah. yeah, and so what we 'll do is we 'll put a link a video link or some yeah. uh, kind of a resource link in the show notes, um, but just uh, you know watching a couple of things and and doing some doing some work alongside of. Uh, people in our community for like for example from one iowa helped put me up on game about some of this stuff so um i'll share a link to that and i'll actually share a link to one iowa too so for our iowans who are around here you know they they Mm -hmm. they do good work so um yeah i I just wanted to kind of say that before we jump into the the racial allyship piece
1: yeah oh that's so good that's so good oh my goodness i will remember that literally forever yep (laughs) seriously look at me yes Good. Hey. <laughs> very good.
0: <laughs> so, so, okay. So as we jump into this discussion about, about allyship, like what, what uh, for you, what sparked the idea to want to, to want to cover this topic?
1: Ooh. Um, so two things did one. I was having a conversation with one of my very dear friends who happens to be an American of European descent. And she was kind of sharing with me like, Hey, Justine, you know, like, as a white person who is desiring to be anti-racist, who is doing the work and, and really trying to decolonize my way of thinking and trying to divorce myself from whiteness, I feel like white people are being given mixed messages, right? And she essentially said like, it kind of feels like if you are a quote unquote white ally, Like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. It's like literally like you can do nothing right because every time you try to do something, there's someone who's going to say, you should not have done that. Mm -hmm. Then if you don't do it, you should have done it, right? And so that was kind of what got me thinking about, you know, like allyship and, you know, like is that something that we should even be thinking about and talking about? Is there a checklist? Are there guidelines to this? Yeah. Then the other thing like I mentioned before was I just feel like, we are talking about that so much, and I'm thinking about um, there is a book that I read where where the author essentially said that it's not okay to just be a non-racist, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: To encourage people to become anti-racist, right. right? To be moving like like to literally be running in the opposite direction um, of racism, right? So to become anti-racist and not just neutral, non-racist, which that's not even a thing. Like you cannot be neutral. Um, <laughs> right. And I'm, you know, like, I've just been thinking, well, like how does anti-racism tie in with allyship? Yeah. So those are kind of like the two inspiring um, lines of thinking that wow. inspired this. Mm-hmm. That's
0: Now that's dope. So, okay. So um, as we jump into that conversation, then yeah. we should probably, you know, as any good conversationalist would, let's define what we're talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, why don't you just okay? So, what do you mean when you say allyship? Like, how would you define that?
1: Ooh. Um, okay. So maybe maybe I should start off by defining who an ally is. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think in the in the context of racial awareness specifically, I would I would think of an ally as someone who, one is committed to doing the hard work of unlearning their racism in ways that they have been socialized Mm -hmm. to think of white as superior. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, I think there has got to be the learning portion, like the education portion of it. Um, Then also the realization that this is going to be consistent, right? Like you don't like, you don't just read like 100 books and you're done. Like it's going to be a consistent thing. Yeah. Um, Then I also think of them as being someone who, tangibly leverages their privilege, right, in that direction. So it's not just about reading books and having all these conversations. It's like, what are you doing at your church? What are you doing in your family? So y'all, I have friends, I have friends who have racist relatives, (laughs) like straight up literally like they're and you guys, and here's the thing. Some of these people are believers. Okay. They believe in God. They profess the name of Jesus Christ, but they, but, but they are honestly racist. And so my thing is, I think as an ally, you want to um, you want to grow your allyship muscle to a point where like you can, like you can stand up for people of color in those contexts. You can call out your racist family members yeah. Right. What are you doing at your workplace? Right. Like, how are you voting? Right. How are you voting? Elections are coming up. How hold up. Are hold, you up going ho- to vote?
0: hold up. Wait a minute. How are you voting? So are you saying or suggesting that how you vote also demonstrates allyship?
1: Absolutely, Abdul. Absolutely. You cannot claim that you believe in equality. You cannot claim that you believe in the value, the dignity, the sanctity of every life, but the way you vote and the people that you vote for are not people that uphold those values, right?
0: (laughs) You just made somebody throw their phone across the room.
1: (laughs) But y'all, it's real, right? We have got to live this out. It's not just about professing, 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 right? Yes. Like J-Lo says. The way you walk the way you move the way you talk it's like it's about the whole um the whole amalgamation of what we do
0: (laughs) so okay so let me put on my uh my political scientist hat for a second so please do (laughs) so for for listeners if you didn't hear um the introductory episode um, when we kind of described and introduced ourselves uh I am I am trained as a as a historian and, a, as a, and as a political scientist, and so my my area of study, and I'm on my academic journey uh, toward a PhD. So, uh, so yeah. So at some point, it's gonna be some more letters behind this brother's name. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be Doctor Dr. Abdullah Muhammad. So, um, but uh, so my. My area of study or areas of study and research is I study implicit racial bias, and I study political behavior, political socialization, and public policy. And so I look at all the, all the impact of behavior and socialization on public policy. And so I say all that to say that as we have the conversation about justice as it relates to who you vote for, that's not a partisan thing
2: hmm.
0: You know, it's not so. So um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Justine. So what I don't think oh. what you're saying is. Um, so to show you're an ally, you have to you have to vote Democrat. I, mm-hmm. I don't think I hear you saying that. But I think no. when we look at the receipts, when we look at the um, the scholarship on political behavior. And we look at the scholarship on narratives and all that kind of stuff, or just look at some YouTube videos. It is very, very clear on the one hand. I I put an asterisk on this comment. It's very clear that we do have one of our political parties continues to run in opposition to what we would deem would be appropriate racially just attitudes. And Mm -hmm. that tends to be the Republican Party. Yeah. Now the reason why I put in the asterisk because I'm sure a lot of people just turn their thing just just switch to a new podcast right now. You know, we, we probably just lost some listeners. And mm-hmm. for those of you who are listening, I want you to stick in if you're still listening. Because what the what the information shows is a couple of things. So, yes, we know that the Republican Party was the party that was founded mm-hmm. as the abolition party, with Abraham Lincoln being their first candidate. Okay. Um, and we know, we know why it was founded and all that. And we know that, that uh, the Democratic Party historically was the party of slavery, it was the party of the slaveholders.
2: Mm.
0: Now, we also know that there was a shift that happened. So roughly from the election of Abraham Lincoln in 1860 until about 1960 when John F. Kennedy was elected, most black folks voted Republican, mm-hmm. just as a for instance. Wow. You know, Eisen, uh, uh, Dwight Eisenhower, in 1956 was the last pre- was the last presidential election that black folks en masse voted for <laughs> the Republican candidate. Now, the reason why that's a difference is that between the 1960s and 1970s, there was this huge shift in the parties realigned, primarily, primarily
1: mm.
0: on the issue of race. Wow.
1: Civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: Now, civil rights in general. So civil rights movement, women's movement, LGBTQ rights in the 70s, all of that began to coalesce around the Democratic Party at that time. So it's a relatively new phenomenon. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Now, historically, conservatives who weren't always Republican. That, that's a new thing too. It used mm-hmm. to be where you can be conservative and be a Democrat and you can be liberal and be a Republican. Well, now yeah. those things are, are, are joined together. They're conflated. So now Democrat equals liberal, Republican equals conservative. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Didn't always used to be that way. So mm-hmm. So, yeah. So what you're saying is that your vote matters because your vote, regardless of party, your vote speaks to justice issues. Mm -hmm. And so just as one, as one, for instance, you know, we're going to keep it way, way 100 on this episode, right? Which we also Mm -hmm. try to do in every episode. But Mm -hmm. if you, as a matter of thought, as a matter of practice, as a matter of conscience, vote for the GOP because of the issue of abortion, but you feel some kind of way when somebody talks about implicit bias or Black Lives Matter or women's rights, you might want to check that right are you really pro-life <laughs> yeah are you are you pro-life yeah so so are you pro-life from from cradle to grave or from womb to mm-hmm. grave or are you pro-life from just womb then once the baby's born and eh, I wouldn't really care about all that right so there's, right. there's 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 some of that happening too but um yeah there's there's lots of studies and and surveys and polls and all these kind of things that show people's political attitudes around certain justice issues and, and all that. Now, and I'm kind of rambling, I'm, and I'm off on a thing here, but I do want to just add just this very last piece, and this is the asterisk, that that doesn't mean that people who vote liberal or a Democrat don't have problems with, with, with racialization and racism. Because mm-hmm. racism is a nonpartisan thing.
1: hmm very good. Yeah,
0: because racism is an attitude of socialization that is beyond party, mm-hmm. and so when we think about, like you mentioned earlier, Justin, you mentioned uh, there's a book that's talking about, you know, being anti-racist and ha- having anti-racist attitudes. So one of those books mm-hmm. is um, Dr. Ibram X. Ken- Ibram X. Kendi's "How to Be an Anti-Racist." Now, and mm-hmm. so which is his follow-up book. So the first book he wrote um, just a couple of years ago. Was a book called Stamped from the Beginning, subtitled The Definitive History of Racist Ideas in America. Both amazing books. Now,
1: you should check them out.
0: Yes, you should. And we'll, and we'll put links in the show notes there too. So, How to Be an Anti Racist, for me, that was a really good book because they clarify. I mean, I've been doing anti racist work and training and workshops
2: mm-hmm.
0: since the 90s. Wow. So, because I'm an old head, you know, I'm, 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 I'm an OG up in these streets. Yes. <laughs> so, but, uh, he clarified something to me that never quite sat right. And that was, uh, people spend a lot of time pointing to folks saying this is a racist or that's a racist or you're a racist and she's a racist. And, you know, um, but the what he clarifies is wait a minute, let's get off of who's a racist, because mm-hmm. that does a couple of really kind of damaging things to people. Now, this is this is not a one one podcast. The Christian social podcast is not one one material. This is a this is a two, three, four, 500 level thing. <laughs> <laughs> um and so a lot of these ideas for people who are just beginning to have this conversation, it might miss you. And for now, that's okay. Um, yes. But, but the idea that he clarifies, he kind of brings to the fore that the the that he that he pulled the splinter out of my mind on, was that wait a minute, if you're calling somebody racist, what you're doing there's something definitive and determinative right. about that, right? And permanent, yeah. And permanent, right? And so he talks about, um, well, let's let's walk away from who's calling somebody or or who's a racist, but -hmm. let's really focus on everyone's societal programming and capacity to express racist ideas. Mm. And so, because as a Christian, someone is a believer. They are a non-believer. They are this, they are that, you know, as a person, you are, however you identify or whatever, but to say someone's a racist puts a stamp on them that they, that, that follows them forever. Mm-hmm. And, and if that's what you are, it suggests that you can't unlearn it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so because everything's about socialization, yeah, I like the clarification that he makes about how do we recover from racist ideas? Because all of us can express racist ideas. Yes. So.
1: Yeah. So good. And y'all something else. And this is for another episode. First of all, Abdul is amazing. I'm sure you already know this and he is just such a good teacher. And every time he speaks, I learn something, but something <laughs> that Abdul taught me y'all very recently is that anyone can express racist ideas, even people of color,
0: please hammer. Don't hurt him. Don't hurt him. Hamma, don't hurt him. even people of color, right?
1: And I'm going to be honest, right? When, when Abdul said this, I became like, you know, like the poster child for black fragility. I was like, Nope. (laughs) I am a person of color. I cannot be racist. But like when he broke it down, it was so good. So anyway, I like that. I Uh, like that. Um, So no, (laughs) I'm curious, Abdul, how would you define the word ally?
0: Uh, Okay. So I would, I would define, okay, now you just said something that we, I don't. Can we just let that hang? I I wasn't gonna go there on purpose, but you brought us there. You said that black folks can be can can express racist ideas too.
1: Yes, we can. Oh,
0: okay. So I gotta go there. I. I, Yes. Okay, so I'm gonna just I'm gonna try to do this in two minutes. Please do. Maybe three. (laughs) Two and a half. Okay, so what I mean by that? So if you. If you look at the critical race theory perception and definition of racism, it looks at, um, it's where we get the whole idea of race plus power equals racism. Okay. And, um, but critical race theory, conceptions of racism really looks at a a historical and a sociocultural analysis and then arrives at, based on systems and laws and policies and the development of society, what we see is we see this systematic construction of things by this false idea of race. Mm-hmm. So that's what racism is, right? Which we covered yes. that a little bit in the pre- previous episodes. Now, what critical race theory uh, also does is it adds a, is it is it says, well, there are really four basic components to racism, which I mentioned before as well. So one is internalized,
2: mm-hmm.
0: one is individual one is structural and one is institutional. Yeah. And so there are all those different types or components to racism. So, if in the critical race theory perception of race and racism, if we know that internalized racism is part of is one of the components of racism, yeah. we also know that internalized racial inferiority or Increasing. superiority Mm-hmm. are both racist ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so Black folks can carry out racist ideas yeah. because they suffer from some sense, of, or we suffer mm-hmm. from some sense of inferiority, or we, or a person of European descent, um, focuses or suffers from some sense, uh, some sense of superiority, right? Mm-hmm. So our, because all of us have the ability to, yeah. to express racist ideas, in some sense,
2: yeah.
0: yep. people of color can also be racist. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't deal with the component of power. Mm-hmm. Um, now, people of color don't have ultimate power in society. We couldn't give mm-hmm. ourselves rights. We had to get them from somebody else.
2: Exactly. Right? Yeah.
0: But that doesn't mean that we have no power at all. Power is relative. Mm-hmm. And one knock that I have against critical race theory even as a, a critical race theorist <laughs> i think it narrowly construes power to do mm-hmm. exactly what white people do when they say we're not racist they put themselves on the good side of it Ooh. so we mm-hmm. want to we we as black people people of color we we want to narrowly construe power to put ourselves on the good side of it
1: yeah yep
0: so and i think the last thing i'll say is as a christian as a believer in christ to say that black folks can't be racist is to say that there are certain categories of sin that certain types of people are exempt from. Yeah, I don't find that in my Bible. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that. So Mm -hmm. that was longer than two and a half minutes, but there we go.
1: Man, so good. Y'all,
0: so, so good.
1: So good. Okay, Abdul, define for us what the word ally means for you
0: to me, an ally is somebody who's got my back. It's really mm-hmm. that simple. It's, it's somebody who's got my back and I, don't have, and I don't have to be there for them to have my back. So an ally is somebody, like you said, you, you, said, you said it perfectly. You said leverage, someone who leverages their privilege.
2: Mm.
0: Okay. So yeah, that's, I, I really can't go too long into that because for me, it's a, it's a visceral thing. I know yeah. when you're being an ally because you're behaving like an ally, whether I'm there that's or so not. Good. So if you are, let's say you're in a workplace, if you're in a workplace, your policies should reflect equity, should reflect principles of diversity and inclusion, should reflect principles of anti-racism, whether you have people of color or different Id- identities, they are not.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Yes. So so for me, behaving as an ally, n- not that I call it my- myself that out loud, but behaving as an ally. To women and queer Mm -hmm. folks Mm
2: -hmm.
0: means recognizing when my sisters or my queer brothers and sisters or my queer non-conforming folks are not at the table, behaving Mm -hmm. as an ally, and making sure, to whatever extent that I can, Mm -hmm. that they are somehow represented, or that, or not belittled or demeaned or whatever. So, if you're if you're in a church, I will know that you are behaving as an ally. Actually, I'll know that you're behaving biblically.
2: Mm.
0: Preach. Right? So I will know that you are following the great commandment, the two-sided <sighs> coin of love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. I will know you are doing that by the way you preach,
2: mm. by the
0: conversations that the people in your church have,
2: yeah. by
0: by the tables you build, whether somebody is there to sit that and sit at them or not. Ooh. So I, I will know I'll show up when you have my back and I'll know when you have my back.
1: Yes. Yes. Wow. You know, that's, that's so good. Like what Abdul, you know, like what, like what you just shared. Cause I always think about, well, not always, but very recently, especially after we recorded um, the toxic whiteness episode. Mm. And I've been thinking about it. I'm like, wow, like people of color, Part of part of how we've been socialized is that we can see whiteness from like a million miles away. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, unfortunately, our white brothers and sisters cannot even recognize whiteness. Right? Yes. You know, I'm like, wow. I'm like, we like sometimes it feels like we are more familiar with whiteness than even white people are. And I feel like it's kind of the same thing that you're saying, like with allyship. It's like you can just see it. Like people Mm -hmm. of color like they can just tell like this organization my employer my employees they have my yes. back you know yes um my friends have my back my husband my wife has my back you know so yes. so so good yeah so now i am i am curious because i feel like with everything that's happened this year you know like with george floyd brianna taylor ahmed arbery There is there. I don't call it a movement because that's not a good term. But like, I feel like there is so much pressure, which could be good or maybe Mm -hmm. not good. Mm -hmm. There seems to be a pressure on our brothers and sisters that are American of European descent to be allies, right? I'll give you. I'll give you an example. When um when the when the Ahmed Arbery story came to light, then George Floyd, there was this whole thing like your silence oh man what's what's the phrase abdul silence oh silence
0: is complicity
1: silence is complicity yeah right and so like i saw that on facebook you know and all over the place like on um you know like on instagram and like it felt like there was this pressure on white people to post something like you need to post something on facebook you know like show that you're standing in solidarity and what i was i was like wow like What a, what a time to be white, you know, like what, you know, like what a time to be white and alive, you know? Um, And so do you feel like there is a pressure on white people um, to, to maybe even perform allyship, you know, and be like, "Yeah, I'm an ally. See me. Mm
0: -hmm. Do
1: you feel like that's the thing?
0: I, you know what? I honestly do feel like that's, that's the thing. Um, And, you know, I think, a lot of our, for you and I, Justine, a lot of our kinsmen in the flesh might get mad at us for saying this. And they might be like, well, no, that's not a thing. It just recenters whiteness. And why are y'all, y'all talking about this? I'm mm. not so sure I feel that. I agree with that. Um, I think I think we sometimes probably do. Send mixed messages. Mm-hmm. I think, um, mm-hmm. and, and your friend is right. Sometimes I, well, you know, she said, Well, I feel like we're damned if we do, damned if we don't. So yeah. I, I, can, I can hear that. That makes sense because, on the one hand, if you do something, you run the risk of having it being called performative. Yes. You know? Oh on gosh, the other God. hand, if you don't do anything, you run you're the risk of being called, called complicit. Yeah. And, and then you're getting canceled. Or, or better yet, you're getting canceled for asking a question. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, even, even at the heart, like, even at the heart of the question that doesn't come from someplace bad or mean or dark, they come from pl- someplace that's truly just uninformed. You ask a question, uh, cancel. So, yes. so I do feel like we are sending mixed, mixed messages, but I don't think the mixed messages are on purpose. Mm. I think the mixed messages are just because we're working this stuff out as we go along in some cases.
2: That's true. Yeah.
0: You know, it's, it's, in some cases, it's things that we know and feel and experience that we don't always have language for. Mm. And so I think when we, if we're telling people that silence is complicity, let's be clear about the conversation that we're really having when we say that. Mm. Because if we say that, that's not what we mean. There's something deeper than that, right? Yes. So, yes.
1: so what do we mean when we say that?
0: Well, for me, yeah. what I think it means or what I'm expecting, if if someone's – so if I'm in a relationship with someone and there are some things that are happening, let's say there's, there's some justice issue that's happening, whether it's a, a murder of an unarmed Black person or whether it's some job discrimination or whether, whatever it is, if that's happening and you know what's happening and you see it happening and I tell you what's happening, and you don't say anything, mm-hmm. well, at first, if you don't say anything, i'm watching to see why you're not saying something you know yeah, and so yeah. so but what i but what I'm saying in that is i'm waiting for you to just show up and have my back so oh, yeah. so so to say silence equals complicity um When I, if I levy that charge against somebody, what that to me is saying is that, okay, we have expressed a deep, sorrowful lament,
2: Mm, mm,
0: mm. right? A deep, like we're, 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 we're going through it over here. Yeah. And if we're expressing that and you don't say anything, or if we're expressing on, on social media, on Twitter or IG or whatever, and there's this deluge of all this stuff and you posting pictures about your cat.
1: <laughs> Reach, sir. I'm
0: uh-huh. like, okay. Yeah. You're being complicit, but life isn't, you know, I'm also interested in the life that's happening outside of social media. What are you saying and <laughs> doing at the grocery store? What are you saying and doing every day in your, in your, in your spheres of influence? Okay. If you're so, so that's that's what I think I'm looking for. I, to some extent, I don't really care if you don't post on social. Yep. Right, because what I care what I care about is I want you to just go go walk go live it, go live it, and okay. I honestly hope you don't post it on on social because then to me it becomes it's 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 performative where it can be performative, yeah, yeah. you know. So yeah. so the difference is if you're posting it on Facebook or if you're posting it on IG but you're not living it, then you're being performative. Performative. You know, if you yeah. if you start talking about how you want to go overseas to this to this overseas mission and posting all of your pictures of all these people, all these brown folks from other countries, but you express no other lens or mm. language about any of their plight any other time, you're performing. Yep.
1: That's performative, man. Yeah. That's so good. Okay, y'all, listen. So when Abdul was sharing, Abdul, like you literally just touched a nerve for me because is that the right phrase? Anyway, struck a nerve. Um, yes. struck a nerve nerve. Yeah. Because for me, man, like, you know, and this could just be my personality, but I goodness, I value empathy. Like I do. And and I'm just like, when you have black people in 2020 you guys think about this okay the year of our lord 2020 people of color are having to march in the streets and say see me value me my life matters too right right in my city we had like a little black black lives matter kind of like a get together and And I, I was there and Abdul was there. His kids were there. His wife was there and you're seeing kids, right? Maybe like two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds and you, and you have to ask yourself, what does this do to their psyche Yeah. that at four years old, you like, you have to go with your parents and say black lives matter. Yeah. Right. And so for me, like kind of just like what Abdul said When people are going through it, you don't sit on the sidelines and post on social, right? You get in the game, you leverage, you leverage your privilege, right? You educate your children. Yeah. Okay. You teach them the reality of the mess that some of y'all's ancestors created.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you repair relationships. You repair relationships. So- Here's one that's th- that that hits close to home for me. So yeah. it's just one example, right? Um, uh, friends, friend mm-hmm. friends of mine that you know I was in church leadership with, one of the folks who led me to faith, in business with, in family relationships with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, completely doesn't see the racially problematic views that they have, mm. even after I have conversations about you know what are you willing do we have do I have enough credibility with you to to have you absorb some content so we can have a different conversation, even in those kind of situations right so in those relation, in those relationships in those situations. Those folks broke, broke the relationship,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? So oh, yeah. to prove that they're not racially problematic, because I want sh- sh- to, start, to start shifting away from the term racist and who's racist, mm-hmm. but to yeah. prove that they're not racially problematic, they did the feet washing service. Oh. Now, let me just say this. If you are a church person and you're listening to this, I'm going to keep it way 100 we don't need your damn feet washing services.
1: No, we don't.
0: I don't want to see one more of those feet washing services. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't want to see, oh, we we let's show how we love our brothers and sisters of color by washing their right. Mm-hmm. But that's what they did. They 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 brought in some some black person from a different city oh, Lord. to talk about the gospel and how we all love each other and all brothers, and then did a feet washing service. Meanwhile, The relationships that were wrecked were five minutes away
1: wow yeah
0: so so yeah that 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 to me that's performative allyship because you ain't no ally
1: totally is it totally is and then you know something else that actually causes people to focus on the wrong thing yep so here we are focusing on oh my gosh how awesome that feet are being washed when in reality, right, and we like if you're listening to this podcast, I hope you already know this. And if you don't, take some time to educate yourself. The church has historically been complicit with racism and racist systems. Even today, as Abdul just demonstrated, the church continues to be complicit, the big C church to be complicit with systems that ostracize and marginalize people of color. Yep, yep. Right. So you so you wash in feet. I mean, that's not like, you know, like that's not helping. That's not helping. <laughs> okay. So, you know, like this is a very heavy conversation. So I'm going to add something that's kind of funny. I was listening to someone on YouTube. I'm not going to mention who it is because I might get in trouble and I might get canceled and we don't need that. This, this, this person, Abdul, he's like a billionaire CEO, right? Uh huh. And he was on a church pulpit and he literally said that white people need to um, shine the shoes of people of color, like just walk up to like, ra- can you imagine?
0: Man, you better go sit down with that somewhere. We, we just, let's, let's walk take the dude smack him in the back of the, the head.
1: head. He literally said, walk up to, ra- <laughs> to random people of color and ask to shine their shoes. I'm like, bro, listen, you are a billionaire. You can leverage your dollars, honey. Uh-huh. Like, you can, like, like you can leverage your dollars and your company and your organizational power Yes, to actually bring about systemic change. Yes. You were shining our shoes. You
0: could do a whole style. lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, that's, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Seriously. so that's, that's what, like, when I think about, let's say, authentic allyship as opposed mm-hmm. to performative allyship.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: I want to share a couple of things because not, I know we're, we're going to wind down here shortly. But mm-hmm. I want to share a couple of things. Um, you know, like I said, I, w- I, I will know if you are an authentic ally. Mm-hmm. If you have my back, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: even when I'm not around, you know, if, if you're not, if you're doing things and without telling folks what you're doing, you know, and
1: that's a good one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You ain't got to brag about it on, on social. Mm -hmm. Um, so I asked my wife this question Mm. And because my wife is all, an all around brilliant woman and just Y'all. she she's cold. So she, she said, well, here's my top five. Mm-hmm. So here's her top five for authentic allyship. Mm-hmm. So, and this, kept, this, this is just freestyle off the dome for her. So that they should work to educate themselves.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. So an authentic ally works to educate themselves without... Without drawing and sapping the, the the labor from the people of color around them, mm-hmm. um, that they should listen to, an authentic ally listens to and promotes Black voices. Mm. And Jay, she said the same word you did. She said leverage. Mm. So leverage their privilege by taking risks that POC can't.
1: Mm-mm. So good.
0: And the fourth one is always checking for their own biases because no one ever arrives. My wife and I have been together for 25 years
2: mm.
0: and she she is committed to living a life of anti-racism. She's committed to, to growing and learning. And then mm. lastly, she says, acknowledge and ask for forgiveness when you've made a mistake. Wow. And so I would okay. add to that, be willing for someone to say, they're not ready to forgive you yet. Ooh. If you ask for forgiveness, don't wait for the answer to be yes, because the answer might be, I think I can get to the point where I can forgive you, but I can't right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So that's, that's that's wifey's list.
1: Wow. Oh my gosh. Jean is awesome. Y'all, I'm telling you, like, if you can I mean, Abdul is a big deal, like whatever, but Jean is like <laughs> no, 10 not. times <laughs> a bigger deal. Like, y'all listen, Jean is phenomenal. She's awesome. And um, something that I like that you just mentioned, Abdul, was she essentially was saying take risks and persevere daily.
0: Yes. Right? Exactly right. And
1: um, man, um, and don't assume you know what's best for people of color, right? So like you... Um, like, yes, like you can share and you can educate and whatnot, but, like you always want to center, right? Like you always want to be decentering whiteness
0: mm-hmm. and
1: centering other people
0: that's good, right? that's good.
1: another yep. thing that i I think when we think about like um good, healthy, and respectful allyship is you need to make sure that you're not bringing attention to yourself because that's kind of when it becomes performative, like you know, like my So like I'm making this post on social, like is my intent to be viewed as an ally or is my intent to share what I'm learning? You know, like what is the heart behind what you're sharing, right? So do not, like if you find yourself bringing attention to you and trying to center you and your whiteness and your experience, that could be a space where you can grow. Then also ask yourself, is this causing harm to people of color? Perfect example that Abdul gave. Some of y'all go to Africa, okay, uh, for missions in the summer. Typically, they're like one week long, and you literally raise thousands of dollars.
0: Sightseeing tours.
1: Sightseeing, and then you take photos with beautiful black babies, and that's like the last time they ever hear from you. Uh, I'm sorry, but that might be performative. You know, like what yes. is you know like what is what is the heart behind you going? and could you possibly be causing more harm to those people?
0: Yes. Right? Well, can so I add one piece of that? Questions? Yes. I'm I'm sorry. So, so also, if you're if you're taking those trips, let's just say you're walking at the mall and some random if you're here in, in America, in any city in America, and you're just walking around minding your business and somebody walks up to you and just randomly starts taking pictures of your children.
1: Oh Oh my gosh!
0: What the heck is that? Dual. So, if you were in some other country, just Why randomly snapping photos of, of other folks' kids, you listen. Don't do that. Don't mm-hmm. no. Just ask some permission. Don't don't just come over there and assume that their that, that their face is for you to is, is your property, and that your face is ah. well, yeah. No, yeah, so you know I, I had uh-huh. to mention that because that's that, that's a bad peep of mine because it's it's horribly invasive,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: it's really it's
1: dehumanizing, too That's exactly
0: right. It's, it's dehumanizing, so I'm off on a thing. I'm gonna stop, but just don't don't do that no more.
1: <laughs> wow, y'all, that's so good, so, so good. Awesome. So we have defined performative allyship.
0: Mm. Okay.: That's it. Mm.
1: okay so i was i was thinking about this too because abdul obviously like you have you know like i just really love like how you break things down because like i feel like some of these things can be so complicated and people can be you know like like we can find ourselves just feeling so overwhelmed especially like i said if you are an american of european descent in the year of our lord 2020 like you may be feeling like i don't know what to do i don't know what to do so is it is it helpful for us to differentiate between the word ally and anti-racist, Abdul, do you think it's helpful for us to parse those out?
0: Um, I think that it is. And I think what I'll say shortly about that is so, because, um, and well, they're both, they're both lifelong commitments, right? Mm -hmm. They're they're both things that no one ever arrives at. Okay. And so, but what I would say is, if you are committed to living a life that is divor- that, that is uncovering and divorcing yourself from the racist ideas that you have, that's yeah. what becoming an anti-racist is in mm-hmm. one way. And mm-hmm. then when you are committed to doing that in yourself, mm-hmm. then you will be committed to doing that in others and leveraging the spaces and, the, and, the, and the, the, the positions that you hold. When you do that, then you're being an ally. That's good.
1: So good. So good. You broke it down really well.
0: So, okay, listeners, as with our last episode, we're going to give you a few minutes to process what we've talked about so far as we wind things down by switching gears with a new segment of the podcast that we're calling Liner Notes. So this is where, as Christian soldiers, we all have, a, you know, we all have to have like a rest or a moment of selah or mm-hmm. a moment of wusa to talk about something that's giving us life because we're always being, you know, kind of pulled away and drained. So uh, that could be a song, a piece of art, a culture, a book, or something that's inspiring or energizing us. And so for our liner notes this time, Justine, I wanted to ask you, what are you feeling in your spirit right now? Like what's, what's feeding you right now?
1: Y'all, I am like exploding to share this, right? (laughs) So I've shared this a little bit in past episodes. But for those of you that don't know, because of how I was raised and just because of how I was socialized, this whole journey uh, towards racial awareness is very new for me. I would say maybe I've been on this journey for like four years, which is literally in the grand scheme of things, four years isn't nothing. So there's so many things that I'm still learning. And maybe about a week ago, I was spending time in prayer. And I was like, God, you know, I'm just going to keep it 1000% right now. I don't feel like you ever address racism in the Bible. You know, like, I don't feel like you ever. Yes, you you, like you talk about justice in a general sense. You talk about justice for the oppressed, you know, in a general sense. But like, I don't really see where you really address racism. And for me, like feeling that just, you know, like it just made me grieve, Mm. you know, because I'm like. Man, like, it would just be awesome if you just directly addressed this horrible, this horrible reality that we're living in. Then um I began to think about, you know, when Jesus, right, when Jesus was carrying his cross to Golgotha, right?
0: Uh-huh. Yep, the place of the walking.
1: skull. Mm-hmm. And he's walking and he's walking and he's tired because he's been whipped, right? And man, like he's walking, he's tired. I can imagine, right? Like the sun was probably blazing. It's hot. There are people surrounding him. And he's just thinking, is there anything that I can do to not have to face this? And at some point, Jesus is so weary that he falls down and he can no longer carry the cross. Right? Then who shows up to carry the cross for him? Say it. Simon of Cyrene. And Cyrene is a city or a place in Libya, which is a country in Africa, y'all. You better say it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, of all the people, think about it, you guys, of all the people that God could use to be the first, the first person who Jesus' blood fell on. Who was carried an African was, was an African person. And I was like, God, this is the answer that I needed to see. You know, like this is like, this is it y'all. And so the word of God has been giving me life. Then this morning I was reading through the book of Acts, Acts chapter, chapter two. And he talks about the falling of the Holy spirit. For those of you that are not believers, this might be confusing for those of you that are believers, this might also be confusing. So anyway, and it talks about <laughs> it talks about um, when the Holy Spirit, you know, fell on the uh, on the twelve disciples. There were people there, right? There were God fearing Jews from every country under under the sun. Like it literally says that, like my version says that, from every country under the sun. Then it begins to mention those countries, and guess what countries there as well? Libya, Egypt. Libya.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: And, and I just was like, Oh my gosh, this is it. Like, like people of color, we matter so much, you guys so much to God, so much to God. And man, like that's just been giving me life, you know? And so anyway, like for those of you that love prayer, like for those of you that love spending time with God, ask those hard questions, be like, daddy, show me, like, ask those questions. I believe that God loves questions like any parent does, right? I'm not a parent yet, but I think when I'm a parent, I'm probably going to love questions. God loves questions. So ask those questions because he might just show you some nuggets that will change your life.
0: Uh, Just so you know, I'm not following that. (laughs) (laughs) Except to say that as a parent, sometimes we hate questions. Oh, (laughs) yeah, <laughs> but, but when we're in the right mind and we're engaging with our mm. kids, and God's always in His right mind, He always wants to engage with us. So then, I think you're right. He loves our questions. Yes. So yes, the thing that is giving me life right now is what you just brought. Mm. I, I, yeah, that I had something, but it's not important. What you just brought just gave me life. Just the fact that that God does care to Mm -hmm. show up and refresh my spirit when I really need him. Mm -hmm. So that just gave me life. So thank you for that, Justine.
1: Hey, thanks, Abdul. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, you guys. um, So. And actually, this is just a side note, but y'all, like, I guess we also want to know what's, what's giving you life, right? Um, so later on, we're going to share the email address and you can send those to us as well because like, we want to know like, what's feeding your spirit right now. Um, so we are wrapping up and I'm going to ask Abdul a question. What you got? I don't know if Abdul has mentioned this before you guys, but he actually owns a company, Monarch Training and Development. And he trains people, right? He trains people, churches, organizations, school districts, communities. And he's a historian. He's a political scientist. And a lot of what he does revolves on training people to become racially aware, right? And so now my question for you, Abdul, is what are some guidelines for being a strong white ally? Now, I know that you'd shared a few things that, um, you know, that that Jean, you know, kind of shared with you. But I'm curious, like, if you could just give like a few guidelines or rather like some ways to think about things. So you had mentioned how if you work for an organization or your place of employment, like think about who's at the table and who's not. Mm -hmm. So can you give us maybe just a few more guidelines that you could share?
0: You know, um, so I, the ones that I would give, I would say uh, that understand that being an ally means Mm -hmm. different things to different people because we all have different needs and wants and hurts and situations. Wow. And so I probably, I'd, I'll give just one. Okay. And, and it, it would be mm-hmm. that. So, mm-hmm. so identify the, the people in your networks, the people in your spheres of influence, the people, whether they are a, people, a person of color, whether they are yeah. a woman, whether they are LGBTQ, And ask Mm -hmm. them, man, as your friend, I love you. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that I'm just, and and so like, it it might even sound clumsy. Hey, listen, this might sound like a dumb question, but as your friend, I love you. And and, and I want to make sure that I'm being the best friend to you that I can or the best ally to you that I can. Not that I can go out and call myself that, but I just want to be able to help show up for you. And so I would say that the number one thing you can do, for me, comes from the heart of the scriptures. The number one thing you can do is live the great commandment. Yes. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And mm-hmm. if, you are, if you are a non-believer, you might replace that first part with something that means, more to, that means something, mm-hmm. something to you. Mm-hmm. but i'm pretty sure that you want to keep the second part. Yeah. You know, i'm pretty sure that all of us want to be known, seen, understood and loved. Yeah. And so yeah. i think that's the one that i would that i would give to folks is just is just check in with your people.
1: Oh, that's good. That's good relationships, right? Relationships. Yes. So so good. Um if i could share one i think on my end. So, ah, uh, there's a there's a man, is he an athlete? Someone Jabari, someone he wrote, he wrote an article after the whole George Floyd situation happened. And he said, racism is like dust. It's everywhere. But when you let the light in, you see it clearly. Right. And so I would say for me, the first thing is you need to understand and you need to learn the history of whiteness and racism. Y'all, like you really need to take the time to educate yourself. Otherwise, you like you're going to be clueless on what's going on. Then secondly, you have to assume that racism is everywhere every day because it is. Right. And unfortunately, in the country we live in and probably in almost every country in the world, it influences how things work. Right. Systems, structures employment, healthcare, the education system, right? So kind of always remembering that racism is everywhere. Um, And every day, like it never goes away. It's there, right? So like we have got to be doing the work. Then just as Abdul said, notice who is the center of attention and who is the center of power in your spheres of influence. And that's it, y'all. That's it for the... Um, for today's podcast. Andres, we missed you.
0: Yeah, brother. We miss you.
1: We miss you. Andres, if you want, I can, I can buy you a pizza after this episode (laughs) and drop it off to your family. But
0: there we go. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Guys, that does it for us for now. As always, if you like the show, if you like the content, if you're encouraged or challenged by it, please like subscribe, share, or drop us a review. And Don't be afraid to do all the above. That'll help folks find us and us find them and then join the community because we could always use more soldiers. And thanks in advance for the love. Also, if you have questions about anything we cover on this show, if you have topics you want us to discuss, or if you just want to reach out and tell us what's giving you life and what's feeding your spirit, become a member of our community on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Christian soldier or email us at hello at christiansoldier.com or find us on IG or Twitter, Christian Soldier. Christian is with an X, X X-T-I-A-N, soldier. And then it's Christian Soldier on IG. Thanks again for listening. And for my brother Andres, I'm Abdullah.
1: I'm Justine.
0: Until next time, y'all, keep the faith. Peace. Amani. The Christian Soldier Podcast is brought to you by the Christian Soldier Collective, a Jesus centered community dedicated to the pursuit of unity, cultural and ethnic conciliation, and social justice within the church. The theme song is The Ace by Ballpoint. The Christian Soldier Podcast is a production of the Christian Soldier Collective and Monarch Training and Development.